Welcome to The Paleo View. I'm bestselling author and co-creator of realeverything.com, Stacey Toth. I focus on being healthy inside and out through real life, food, and talk. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times bestselling author and creator of thepaleomom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Cheat or treat. Well, listeners, we're cheesing it up for you this week. (laughs) We've got a topic that we try to do almost always around this time of year. Um, It's approaching the sugar holiday. And for those of you that choose to partake or those of you that choose to not, we want to address a topic on how we think about this and how we treat ourselves um, and treat ourselves versus, a you know, punishment, shame, guilt, cheat mentality. And so that's what you're in for this week because, listen, Halloween's a coming. There's going to be a reckoning and you got to decide <laughs> which side you're on. <laughs> I, I mean, I think one of the reasons why I sort of advocated for us to, to do a bit of a like cheat versus treat mindset show right before Halloween was it's not just Halloween, right? It's not just the uh, buckets of, you know, candy, whatever that our kids bring home or the one that we have by the front door that we gave out all night or the discount stuff at the store. It's the it's the slow <laughs> like unraveling because we go from Halloween to Thanksgiving to Christmas. And typically this time of year really marks two months of um, people making more indulgent choices and then feeling guilty and feeling like that it starts to unravel. And I think that one of the reasons why it can start to unravel and sort of lead to this snowball of bad and falling off the wagon and then having to like pull ourselves back up with our bootstraps January 1st, I think one of the big reasons is because of the mentality around treats and desserts and, you know, special meals. And if we can sort of switch our mindset to really thinking of it as a choice and a positive one, I'm I'm choosing to treat myself as opposed to I've cheated on my diet or Uh, I'll have to call this one a cheat meal or, you know, like as opposed to some kind of like mea culpa type attitude towards the indulgent, wonderful thing that we had. I think if we can really see it as a treat, we we tend to set ourselves up for uh, less of an unraveling and less of a, you know, one indulgent treat choice leads to the next, leads to the next, leads to the next. That, I mean, of course, obviously doesn't take away the physiological aspects of eating foods that are maybe not great for our bodies and we're having, you know, a physical reaction. But I think the the mindset piece and the emotional piece, I think is really, really important because I think when you can enter this season of like one sixth of the year, um, with a 
treats are going to happen and I'm going to enjoy them and embrace them and it will be wonderful and I will also make other great choices, then we can get through the other side without having to spend the first six months of the year trying to recoup what we lost in the last two months of the previous year. You know, the thing for me is exactly what you said. It's focusing on the foods that we've previously called on this show, um, not gray area foods. We came up with a better term for it. The foods that don't help your health, but they also don't hinder your health. And certainly in mass quantities, um, sugar, for example, can be extremely detrimental, but in moderation, so to speak, or in healthier versions, um, or whatever can be helpful for curbing cravings or giving you that social comfort that we as a culture have come accustomed to. And I know for me, one of the first things that we had to tackle as a family was how we were going to deal with the holiday season. And had I chosen to have a mindset of, well, it's all cheat and it's all bad um, with my with my kids, it would have been uncomfortable, right? Like mm-hmm. if, if I think about it from the perspective of do unto others or do unto yourself as, as do unto others and vice versa, right? Like I wouldn't talk to my kids and treat the foods that they wanted for their favorite holidays that way. Why would I talk to myself that way? And so, right. um, I, I personally cannot have, for example, you know, my grandmother's pumpkin pie when I went to her house for Thanksgiving the first year we were paleo. And that was tough because I had had my whole life a pumpkin pie, but I was able to make a pumpkin pie that worked for me and that still enabled me to participate in the social situation and the warmth of someone else making a meal that had such thought that went into it that they were doing something special so that I could still enjoy it. And over the years, that has become our new standard, our new family um, approach to things. And I think that as we move forward, there are so many opportunities for us if we're not home making, you know, if, if you have a difficult time either because you're not Martha Stewart or you don't enjoy cooking or um, it doesn't come out, Pinterest fail, what, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, the good news is, is now you can purchase products. Whereas when you and I started, there were, there were no foods that we could readily purchase that fit the parameters for our health, right? Like we could, maybe find some dark chocolate, but that's it. So I love that this week Paleo Treats has offered to sponsor the podcast because they're one of the treats that I remember first coming on to the Paleo scene years and years ago. And I was and they changed my world. I remember being blown away because I had <laughs> I had taken so much time to make similar things to what they make. Mm-hmm. So they most of their treats um are like a chocolate covered type round thing. And I know that's super <laughs> uh indescript, but you know uh, a, a round uh disc of deliciousness. Absolutely. Okay. But 
making that at home is so difficult to like layer melted chocolate. And then I would have to like make my own faux peanut butter sauce or whatever. And then I'd have to melt chocolate again and you'd have to freeze it in between steps. And it was like a labor of love for sure. But you'd also end up with like this huge batch and blah, 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 right? And so the idea that when paleo treats came out, they were sweetened with honey, they were incredibly tasty, and I was shocked that they survived shipping. And I I don't know how, how much even, Sarah, you know, but back then they actually won an award with FedEx for their shipping mechanisms. What? And I had no idea. Yeah, it was like this whole big campaign the year they came out. They, I think it was like a grant that they won with FedEx that helped them get their business off the ground because they kind of pioneered, um, if I'm remembering it correctly, but I know they won the FedEx award. Um, they, they pioneered that idea of like, of like paleo, paleo food being on your doorstep with dry ice and, and how could they pack it and all that kind of stuff. And so um, that was how they kind of got on my radar when they were marketing for the paleo community to support them winning this grant so that they could take their products more broad. And I love that it's like 10 years later <laughs> and they're still going strong. And honestly, all of their original delicious products that we fell in love with years ago are the ones that still exist. So for me, the bandito is my favorite. Mm -hmm, Mine too. Um, it's like a, it's, it's like a peanut butter cup. It's not, I mean, don't, don't think that you're going to get, it's not that simple. Right. But it's what I love about it is I honestly don't even finish one usually because it's rich and it's filling in a way that I'm like, yes, that's solved my thing, but it's not so sugary sweet that I like feel the need to eat 17 and overly indulge. But what's interesting is my family, we all like something different. So like Finn likes the brownie. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's Cole that likes the one with the acai and coconut. Do you remember what that one's called? Uh, no, but I can like look it up real fast. <laughs> I feel like if we're describing all of their different totally. treats, um, is the Mustang bar, the one that's kind of like coconut and chocolate. It could be, it could be. Well, anyway, and then there's one that's there. I think there's four different ones and we're, we all like them all. And then they, they've come out with, um, you know, uh, different versions of the brownies since then and, and different kinds of things. But my point with all of that <laughs> was to say that if you want to partake, if you want to enjoy a sweet, it is and can be a treat for you. But at the same time, as Sarah pointed to at the top of the show, you don't want to do things intentionally that are going to hinder your health. So if you are you know, not eating nuts, choose something that doesn't have nuts. If you know that your body gets inflamed from that or whatever, you know, like for me, I would love to have a giant pot of chili on Halloween night. Like traditionally pizza and chili is what I remember us consuming on Halloween night before we trick or treated. And I can't do tomatoes. You know what I mean? Like that has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with, with sugar or whatever. Like that to me, it's not a cheat. It's not a treat. It's, it's food that I can't eat because it doesn't make me feel good. Um, and that's a choice that I'm making for me to live my best life because it's not worth it to me for the choice that I want to make 
to feel terrible for a month afterwards. So, but I will eat a treat. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I'll make my pumpkin chili recipe and I will enjoy and partake in different kinds of things. So as we move through the show and we talk about all different aspects, I think it's just important to define what works for you and what can be those foods that aren't necessarily the most ideal, but they're also not going to completely derail your health. Um, and I completely like die, like jumped into the paleo treats thing and I didn't even give the listeners the, the link or the discount or give you a chance <laughs> to talk about it at all. So there you go. Um, let me jump back to that really quick. So if you don't know what paleo treats are, um, it's paleotreats.com. I know it's Shocker. And then if you want a discount, you go to slash the paleo view and use the code paleo view for 10% off. What? Perfect time of year. Just saying. And I, I have, I have the names of our favorites in front of me now. Sweet. Okay. So researcher to the rescue. We definitely described that one accurately. The Mustang bar is the oatmeal cookie like one. So it's like got raisins and tons of different nuts and seeds. The one with the uh, acai berry on the top is cacao now. That one's Cole's favorite. Yep. Uh, Brownie bomb is the one that's like a brownie. And the one that I was remembering that was like coconutty is called Mac attack. Yes. And I think it has. Yep. Does it have macadamia nuts in it too? It's, it's uh, like a, it's like this, um, cookie that my mom used to make when we were kids that was uh they were called chocolate haystacks that's why it reminds Mm -hmm. me of it Mm -hmm. and did you know they have a new a new one called a rocket i just went to the site while you were talking and i was like wait a minute what is this thing that's like half Uh brownie half cup it's uh oh it's chocolate coffee it's it's chocolate and espresso it's an it's a paleo espresso brownie i think that's i mean i'm I'm getting really excited (laughs) We got we to gotta use our coupon code and give it a try. Clearly. Well, listeners, if you want to partake, our sponsor this week, Paleo Treats, is hooking you up 10% off paleotreats.com slash the paleo view and then use the code paleo view for 10% off. And there are six treats total. There's um, different treat packages and different kinds of things if you're into that. What I think is interesting is we said these aren't sweetened with sugar, which there are other quote unquote paleo brands that use um, natural raw cane sugar. And you and I both actually mm, or use coconut sugar. Yeah. yeah. And you and I both use recipes with a variety of sugars, but I think maybe we could talk a little bit about that. Um, but first you said a bandito was your favorite. Um mm-hmm. What is your family's favorites? What how, how how are you feeling about paleo treats? Uh so I was introduced to paleo treats online. Like I it was one of those like, oh hey, there's this and I think they reached out to me. I don't remember how that I might have reached out to them. I don't remember how it happened. Somehow we made the connection online. Gosh, like 5 years ago, maybe 4 and a half years, a 5 How long have I been doing this? 7 years, maybe 5 and a half years ago. Like a long a, a fairly large number of years ago, a fairly large fraction of my paleo journey ago, and they um, mailed me a box. And I 
Honestly, so you said that you don't finish a bandito, and I want to know how you do that because I do finish the whole thing, <laughs> and then and then I'm good, right? Then I'm I. Okay, there have been times where I have been like, hmm, what other flavors in my freezer? Um, I have this trick at home if I'm making my own, you know, whatever cookies or something. What I do to slow me down and sort of like it's built in portion control is I freeze it because if the treat is frozen, I need to be really mindful. I need to make it a conscious choice. I'm going to treat myself now and I have to take it out of the freezer and let it thaw. The awesome thing about paleo treats, but that also made me have to like devise other alternatives for portion control is that they, you eat them right out of the freezer and they're like the perfect texture right out of the freezer. So uh, when I first got them, I think it was one of those things where it was like, these are the most delicious things. I want to try them all. And it wasn't a like cut small pieces of each one and try them. But we did sort of all share them. And I, well, I don't think any of my family has ever had the bandito. I think, <laughs> I don't think I've ever shared that with them <laughs> ever, ever. Um, but I don't, I would say my kids are like chocolate crazy. I, I think they love the brownie. Um, I think that's the one that they get the most excited about. What's interesting to me is the Mustang bar, which is kind of like an oatmeal raisin cookie, but it's completely pale ingredients, is the one that like nobody's excited about. But then when you eat it, it's I, it's like a close second for me in terms of the, like it's it's the one that I will reach for after the bandito. And uh, but it's weirdly it's the one that everyone's like, oh, it's, it's you know, it doesn't have chocolate. It's not it's not it's boring. It's not it's not as fun. And yet it's one of those, you know, when you hit those like desserts that are not chocolate, but you go like, man, this is better than chocolate. Like you hit that like, oh my gosh, I'm elevating this to, I would choose to eat this over chocolate. I would, I would put the Mustang bar in that category. Um, although I like the bandana the best, but it's, it's one of those ones that we all kind of like forget how good it is. And then when I get a box and we're like, oh, yeah, that one's really great. Um, I would say there is no not favorite paleo treat in my house. They are all enjoyed by every person. That being said, I'm, I'm, I hog all the banditos for myself. Well, what do you think about them using honey as a sweetener? Like maybe we can talk a little yeah. bit about our, our thoughts on, cause I personally think that it's the honey that I taste in the bandito that gives me that sweetness. And I don't get the same feel from the brownie. And I actually avoid the brownie because I love it so much that I would eat more than one. Does that make yeah, sense? That is. I mean, it's interesting because I think the bandito is one of their lower sugar it is. treats. It only has seven grams of sugar, which is... When I was when I was lifting and I was watching my macros all the time, that was the one that was the best of all of the treats, which was always interesting to me because I found it the sweetest and most delicious. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting how sometimes things can sort of trick your trick your taste buds. Um, I am really excited that they use honey, and I will tell you why. So, uh, 
I am writing uh, a book. You, you might know that I'm writing a book about the microbiome. You might have um, mentioned it. Yeah, I might have mentioned or, it a yeah. few times. Um, and I have come across all of this really cool research with honey that really separates it from any other sugar. Like I would put blackstrap molasses on a pedestal just because it's so nutrient dense. It A tablespoon has 42 calories and 20% of your RDA of calcium, 20% of your RDA of iron, a significant portion of most of your B vitamins, tons of minerals. It's a good source of chromium. Like it's, it, it's as more iron per calorie than steak and more calcium per calorie than cheese. Like it's a really nutrient dense sweetener, but it has a very strong flavor, right? We use it in gingerbread and that's about it. Like we don't have other, my mom used to make molasses toffee when I was a kid. Like that's the only other thing that I can think of that really sort of embraces the flavor of molasses. I and- really, I really like it in savory sauces and recipes to sweeten mm-hmm. it. So like yeah. Mongolian beef and um, we have another one for like Asian short ribs. It's really good, but it's so, it's such a strong flavor mm-hmm. that if you use it in a sweet capacity, you have to just embrace that as the dominating flavor. I think right. the other one is we have a ginger molasses cookie that we really like, but you ha- you have to go with that. You have to just ride that flavor wave. There's no hiding it like you can with other sweeteners. Yeah. And I actually really like your tip because I actually do add it to almost anything saucy, like even a couple of tablespoons, I'm adding a lot of minerals to that meal. Um, but I really like it when I'm trying to mimic um, like a mimic a tomato sauce without tomatoes. It kind of gives a little bit of that umami flavor, I think. Um, so, okay. So I put blackstrap molasses up on this pedestal, but I have now come in just really the last month or so of researching for this book, I have come to put honey on its own equally high yet different pedestal. And it's because, um, okay, it's it's for a couple of things. So honey, it turns out, is non-diabetogenic, which means for some inexplicable reason that researchers are still trying to figure out, honey does not elicit the glycemic response that you would expect. And it does not seem to contribute to insulin resistance the way you would expect it being a you know, sweetener predominantly composed of fructose and glucose and a little bit of sucrose. Like fascinating. You, you look at its sugar composition and you go, it's a sugar. But what's really interesting is there's there's even papers showing that diabetics can sweeten with raw honey and not have dysregulated blood sugar with it. Like it's it's pretty darn cool. I'm not saying that means you could eat like a cup of honey with a spoon. Um, I think that would be a lot, a lot of sugar and that would really be challenging uh, your system in any situation. But what's really interesting is that it doesn't seem to have the same type of proportional response as, say, cane sugar or maple syrup or you know something else that would have a very similar saccharide breakdown. So that's that's cool thing about honey number one. Cool thing about honey number two, people have heard about things like the antimicrobial properties, like those things are really legit cool. But honey has fermentable substrate in it, meaning it feeds our gut bacteria, which may be why it's not diabetogenic. But it actually turns out that honey is uniquely beneficial for the gut microbiome, meaning it increases microbial diversity 
and selectively feeds probiotic strains that are very, very desirable and above and beyond other foods. So including more raw honey in our diet can actually be really, really beneficial to the gut microbiome. And of course, the gut microbiome basically controls everything of our health. Like it's just amazing how it's linked to pretty much every system in the human body. So because of those reasons, I have actually switched over to almost completely using honey as a sweetener in my house um, and not using other sugar options because of these amazing properties of honey. Good to know. I particularly like honey um, in raw form. So I think maybe you could talk a little bit about um, what happens to the properties of honey, because not only do they have all the benefits that you just talked about, but there's also this pollen perspective that's in honey Mm -hmm. that when consumed in a high quality raw form, you get these anti-allergen benefits as well. And so when I'm thinking about sweeteners, I'm usually drawn to honey if it's something in a raw form. So for example, um, if I get um, like natural yogurt that doesn't have sweeteners in it for the kids, I'll drizzle honey and then maybe some fruit or some you know, gr- uh, grain-free granola or something like that on top for them uh, because it's not being cooked. But when I'm baking, I don't think of honey as being like my number one choice, except sometimes to like balance flavor and do like a 50-50 split with, you know, something else. So am I wrong in that perspective on cooking it? Like help me Yeah, so there's certain properties of honey that you're going to lose when it's uh, pasteurized or when it's cooked. And this really is because um, some of the chemical structures of some of these beneficial compounds, most of which have not yet been identified. So here's like the other cool thing about honey is it has basically compounds that are sort of akin to phytochemicals, even though it doesn't come from a plant, um, that we don't completely, you know, we haven't characterized them, right? There's not another food that is like honey at all, right? It's it's something that is completely unique. So there's all these compounds in them that haven't been completely characterized. But what happens when you heat something is chemical structures tend to unravel. And sometimes, um, you know, the cooking temperature will be low enough that some good things won't unravel, like it'll be resistant, it'll unravel at a higher temperature. Sometimes when it cools back down, it'll you know, form its structure again. Sometimes when it unravels with heat, that's a, a permanent change in the, in the um, not necessarily the chemical formula, but when you unravel a molecule structure, you'll often change its function. So honey has all of these, right, antibacterial, antioxidant, anti-tumor, anti-inflammatory, antiviral properties it's cardioprotective, it's gastroprotective and can promote wound healing. Like it's, it has all of these amazing things going on. And they all seem to be like most of the studies that look at this look at raw honey. And so there's not too many studies that will compare raw versus um, pasteurized honey. But there is some sort of idea that especially the sort of antimicrobial properties are enriched in raw honey. So if you cook, if you make cookies with honey, you are going to lose some of those things. But when it comes to the gut microbiome, those structures are still fermentable, right? There's still things that the gut bacteria will eat even after they've been potentially 
unraveled with heat. So the benefits to the microbiome are going to be there no matter what. Um, so I, I think if you want to put, you know, a spoonful of honey in a hot cup of tea, right, you're going to be still getting most of the benefits of that honey. Um, I, I was, one of the really cool things about honey being shown to be beneficial for the microbiome is that there's even some evidence showing that it can improve things like irritable bowel syndrome, both with chronic constipation and with chronic diarrhea. So like, it's not just that it's a functional food, it's that it it literally has potentially therapeutic benefits. So to see a treat where the, you know, like Paleo Treats is just using honey as their sweetener, like that, I mean, I didn't know when I first tried it years ago that that was such an amazing thing. But as I've done more research for the microbiome book on honey, now I look at it and go like, yay, it's, it's really exciting to me. No, that's really helpful and interesting. And I think for tea... I don't like to sweeten tea, but for the boys, um, especially like in the wintertime, if they get a sore throat or something, they like mint tea with honey in it. Mm -hmm. And I wondered how much of that beneficial bacteria um, was was getting to them. And so I always kind of let their tea cool off to where they'd want to drink it because kids don't want super hot tea anyway, right? Like they want kind of almost lukewarm tea. And then I would put the honey in because I felt like I had maximum chance of like <laughs> the mean, good I stuff. Think that's, I think that's a great way to go, right? So we know that we've got um, the most benefits from raw honey, even though there's still benefits if it's cooked. I think that's a really great way to go of like, let me just cool this down at least to like the temperature I want to drink it before I put in honey. I also, um, to me, honey is, um, I mean, it's my preferred sweetener in my house, but I sort of make it sound like, you know, we're eating, we're just, we're going through jars and jars and jars of it. We don't eat a ton of sweet stuff. When we do, it's, you know, it's a, a conscientious choice. We're going to have a treat. This is going to be great. We don't need a reason to have a treat. Uh, it doesn't have to be, a, a thing we're celebrating. It's going to be, Hey, let's have a treat today. And then we'll, we'll enjoy that as a family. And so when we do, honey has become the preferred sweetener for that. But then the other side of when I use honey is, uh, for especially like a, if I've got a cough, a honey has sort of a, it's a sort of natural, um, cough suppressant. And so it's become, it's just very soothing for the throat. So then I will do hot herbal teas with honey. Um, but other than that, it's mostly a treat. Well, so what is a treat then? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like what, what is a treat for you and the frequency that you might have it is different for somebody else and what they might have it. And I think first, what I would say when we're talking about the context of a treat or consuming anything that isn't, I'm just going to say right now in the context of how we're defining treat, I would say that's anything outside the scope of a nutrient-dense healing food. So I would go so far as to say getting a gluten-free bun when you get a burger um, is, to me, a treat. That's part of you know what Mark Sisson would call the 20%. It's foods that aren't helping to heal you, but also ultimately we, we, what we're hoping is that they're not going to be foods that are going to derail your, your health progress either. Do you think of them the same way or do you think of treats as, as specifically sweets? Cause I think uh, of a sweet as a subcategory of a treat. Yeah, I was actually nodding emphatically the entire time you were describing treats. So I am exactly the same. I describe treats as basically anything that is not 
adding nutritive value to my diet. So um, I think of gluten-free buns. If the kids are going to have gluten-free buns as a treat, I actually think of um, like we all tolerate corn fairly well in this house. So I'll make popcorn about once a week. I consider popcorn to be a treat. Um, it's not adding a ton of nutrition, even when I, you know, pop it in at home and it's heirloom corn with like healthy oils. It's still, it's still pretty much empty calories. Um, I think of rice as a, as a treat, unless I make it with broth. And then I think of it as a healthy food. Um, so I, I would put, I, yeah, basically anything that sort of, I would also maybe call it like empty calories. Um, in our house, most of the treat foods other than popcorn, I guess once a week that we would consume would be a sweet treat. That would be the most common. Um, yeah, I think that would be the most common indulgence. Um, and I would say we, we probably have something like popcorn once a week, and then we probably have some kind of sweet treat, um, about again, once a week. Uh, sometimes twice a week if there's things going on, but that's, that's about the frequency. And I always know that it's been like a weird week when my kids start asking for dessert after dinner. I was like, what are you, what are you asking about? And then they'll say, well, we had this thing yes, yesterday and this thing the day before and this thing the day before that. And I'll be like, hang on. Cause every once in a while that, you know, just slides, right. It's there's leftovers in the fridge or the freezer and you just kind of like, oh sure. Have you know, have two cookies or have, you know, have that popsicle, whatever it is. And, uh, and then I'll go like, no, dessert is not part of dinner. It's not a thing that you have every day. Um, you know, this is, this is okay. This is why like, we're going to go four days or five days with nothing, you know, nothing empty calorie esque. And, and then we'll sort of reset. And so every once in a while, we'll kind of slide into that. And that usually happens around holidays, birthdays, right? Something, something that instigated making a large batch of something. Yeah, I agree. I think if we indulge more frequently than that, it's because we're out and about and we grab something or for example, we went to the movies and the kids um, indulged or whatever it was, but we try to at home keep it to, mm, I would say like two times a week. And then we try to focus on things that are really low in natural sugars. So we've kind of adopted so many recipes at this point. Like one of my favorites every month is the recipe that's on the blog for um, like a chia seed type pudding Mm -hmm. that has gelatin. It's got cocoa powder, which is high in antioxidants. It's got um, all different kinds of things as much as I could put in there to not have this sense of indulgence when I'm craving chocolate and magnesium once a month. Like that's, and this is my food that I don't, I don't have this like negative connotation around versus this idea of a cheat and feeling bad about it or Mm -hmm. whatever, right? Like oftentimes our bodies are craving things because we need something. And if you're craving sugar, it might be because you need, as Sarah has astutely informed me before, and I didn't believe her, but she was so right, vitamin C. Um, (laughs) Or or a nap. Right. Or more sleep or um, 
honestly some, some downtime healthy fats as well like mm-hmm. it it could be a bunch of different things magnesium and, and calcium yeah um, i mean magnesium efficiency. yeah magnesium is for me specifically when i crave chocolate i think that's when i see magnesium but in general if i'm craving sugar to absolutely sleep um reducing stress somehow like whether that's taking a nap or or taking a bath or doing something to kind of like decompress myself um you but can have a, you can have a nap and and no have the bath first i say <laughs> bath and then a nap a bath with epsom salt soak mm-hmm. so that you're getting magnesium and then you take your nap maximal decompression maximum um but I had always tried to avoid fruit when I was having a sweet craving because I didn't want to give into it and create this negative snowball. And your idea of having like an orange or a clementine or something like that worked really well for me. And I think that vitamin C is just what my body craves sometimes. So I think there's a, you know, there's a difference between trying to listen to your body and, and give it what it might need and realizing that it's telling you it is craving something because you have that need for that nutrient or if you're enjoying food for the sake of enjoying food, in which case, what is the version you can create that you feel good about? Like what, whatever that looks like for you. Um, and I think as we approach the holidays, for example, you and I have both talked in the podcast before that our kids go trick-or-treating and my kids um, have to, they don't, I'll, I'll rephrase. My kids know that when they go trick-or-treating, they keep a few pieces um, mm-hmm. and they then turn over the rest and we come up with some sort of agreement, whether that's exchanging them for Legos or um, paying by the piece, and I'm talking like pennies, um, or whatever the arrangement is with me. They did work. They They want to exchange. And that's fair. I take it to my office and I put it in my candy bowl at work and it lasts me all year and I don't have to buy any candy for my office candy bowl. And so I I exchange with them. But we do have our kids go trick-or-treating and they will get gluteny things in their bag. And I have a relationship with them where I trust that they know enough to read labels and to only consume things that will make them mildly obnoxious over the following <laughs> days and not intolerably obnoxious. <laughs> we call that hulking out in our house. Yes. Yes. Um, we do the exact same thing. So yeah. my kids love trick-or-treating. They love the putting on the costume and showing it off. And then the, the candy is almost like a secondary And meeting aspect. neighbors and hanging out with friends. Yeah. And There's yeah. neighbors I talk to once a year. And it's on Halloween when we knock on their door and then we always have a lovely conversation and vow that we should talk more often. And then another year goes by. So maybe this will be the year that that doesn't happen. But they, they love, they love that ritual of trick or treating and, and, you know, being in some like crazy costume and something, you know, really, really unique. Um, two years ago, Adele was a zombie Santa Claus, which was a really, really fun costume to do. Not as much fun to wash the makeup off afterwards, but really, really fun to do. So they, they love that sort of creativity. This year, she's going as a crayon. I mean, it's just, I think it's great. And uh, and then I, I have changed it every year. So I we don't have a firm set of 
this is what we're going to trade your candy for. This is how many you're going to be allowed to keep. I usually go through and if there's any, we have a number of sort of like teal pumpkin houses around our neighborhood now that usually have either toys or allergy free treats. And we usually like, that's, that's a gimme. Like, like we don't even like, yes, you can absolutely have that. Like we don't even think about it. It's fine. And then we kind of go through the rest and go, okay, so here's the things that you could eat without it being, uh, like a, 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 you know, spending the next 24 hours running to the toilet. Uh, so here's, here's, here's those things, the things that are going to make you sick. Let's put these in a separate pile. And now here's of these things, here's the ones that are you know, healthier choices. And those are different for each kid because they have different sensitivities. And then I just kind of look and go, okay, well, (laughs) there's like 20 things here that they each could have. I'm not going to make them only pick three because that seems like a fairly small percentage. So if there's a lot, then I might let them pick 10, but they're not going to just sit down and eat them all in one sitting. They're going to, they're actually very good at, um, I think they inherited this from their father because it clearly doesn't come from me, which I think he got it from his father. But this like very like rationing it out. It always amazed me when I first met my father-in-law, how he was like two cookies was his like, and it was, everything was like, it was always rationed and you would, you would put it on your plate and then you would save it. And then you would, then you would eat every single crumb. And I always thought it was because he, um, he was British and he sort of grew up in England during rationing after World War II, except that uh, he passed away when, um, actually when I was pregnant with Mira. Um, and so Adele doesn't really remember him because she was, you know, two and a half. And they still kind of have that that rationing tendency. So I think now that I see it in my kids, um, I think that maybe maybe there's some inherited personality trait that goes with the innate ability to make something last and, and sort of, you know, ration it ourselves. When I was a kid, we just got our candy and we just could eat it. And I think uh, our parents probably didn't like us very much for a few days, but we'd go through it all really yeah. fast. That's what I hear from people at the office who do that. And they're like, we just let our kids like, run through it and then it's over in a week and I'm like oh okay well <laughs> I can't do that <laughs> yeah, yeah but I mean that's what happened when we were kids I do think like I see even my kids take it differently like so let's say I I approach it the same way as you there are some things that they'll get that are um different whether they're a full-size bar or they're uh you know different in whatever aspects and so they'll say okay well what can I keep and we kind of play it by ear. It isn't like, you know, hard, hard and fast rule. Um, and it also depends on what they want. Like Wesley really, really loves Swedish fish. And I cringe at it because it's just oh, straight it's just red, red food dye. Corn syrup. And I have NHFCS. And so for me, I'll tell him like, okay, well, you can only have one of those. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I'll be very specific. Like, we're not, you're not keeping five Swedish fish. Like, I can't deal with that. But like, I know they're your favorite. Okay. Have, you know, have one. Um, but anyway, so then it's a matter of they've got their, let's say, five pieces. One of my kids will eat all five that night. 
like they, that they just, they want to indulge and they want to enjoy it. And the, in the spirit of the holiday, they're like this, I want to be in a sugar coma tomorrow. And then another kid will have one piece each night after dinner for a week. You know what I mean? It's, and so I, I, whether it's genetic or, you know, whatever, I do think that there's a disposition that we as people all have. And I think that's part of what the show is about is figuring out what that is for you, what makes you happy and what fulfills you in a way without taking it to a place where what could happen is if there isn't that defined limit that you give yourself, whatever that is. And you say, this is what I feel comfortable with. And this is the decision that I'm making. Um, and then it becomes, oh, well, I have all this leftover candy from handing it out and it's just sitting here and I'm going to grab a piece each time I walk by the bowl. And then before you know it, you've eaten the whole bag yourself within a week and you don't feel good about that. And that wasn't your intention. Then that's where we need to ourselves say, okay, I'm deciding to do better for myself so that I feel better. Um, but that doesn't mean that you cheated. And that doesn't mean that you have something to feel guilty about. Like it's food. It's over. It's done with worrying about it and saying, oh, well, I've done all this now. I might as well finish this bag of candy corn as well. Um, isn't going to help you feel better. So if that's your goal and that wasn't your intention, then decide what your next step is and just move forward with it. And that might be, and Sarah, you might not agree with this and that's okay. We all have different approaches, but it might be that you get on this sugar roller coaster, snowball, negative effect, whatever. And in order to get off, you need to reset your palate or you need to say, okay, you know what? Like I'm going to, from the perspective of a phased approach, it's really hard for me to go cold turkey. I've been, you know, super craving sugar. I'm going to make a batch of paleo cookies or I'm going to have paleo treats because I know that they're not super high in sugar and they're made just with honey and clean ingredients. And if I feel like I need to have something, this is the option that I'm going to give myself. Um, instead of what I see oftentimes with people is they say, I'm not going to have any today. And I'm, you know, I feel really great. I woke up in the morning and I'm not going to do it. And then one quote unquote mistake happens. And then it's like, well, I've messed it all up. I'm just going to, you know, <laughs> throw in the towel and whatever. Um, so set yourself up for success, you know, whatever that looks like. I may or may not have experienced those days <laughs> where we both talk from experience on this topic. Go, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be good. I'm gonna not. And then you oh, let's just have one. Oh, I had one. Might as well have another one. Might as well have another four. Might as well eat the whole bag. Um, yeah, yeah. That that has totally happened more than once. Weirdly, weirdly, it's it's happened to me more than once. I actually think that that's that's one of the reasons why I think mindset is so important. And I, I think that viewing a treat as an indulgence, um, and, and viewing it as a choice. So for me, the thing that is always missing, if, um, things start to unravel and like, they still do guys, like I still have days where, I mean, I have things that I will never touch, right. I'll never touch gluten or dairy or soy, right. Like there's, but there's plenty of delicious things that can be made with paleo ingredients um, that would still qualify as a treat and be sugary and, and set us up for that sugar roller coaster. Um, and I still have days where I like way overdo it. And the thing that is always true of those days is it stops being a choice 
and it starts being a compulsion. And I have a history of binge eating disorder. So this is like a, a mental health uh, holdover from that that I, I have to deal with. And when it starts to become a compulsion, it is always in a situation where either my sleep has not been great or I'm uh, under more stress than usual or the combination, right? So typically if my stress ramps up, my sleep quality starts to get worse and then it sort of sets up this uh, cycle where that it's not even like, it's not even the sugar roller coaster because it's not, it's not a craving as much as a compulsion and as much as a, um, it, it stops becoming a conscious choice. So one of the things that I have found really useful is in actually letting myself have that treat, right? So when I start down this road, go, okay, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting down the, the sugar snowball. Uh, I am going to have this serving of this treat and it's going to be a choice and it's going to be an indulgence. And I'm going to not play on my phone or talk to somebody while I'm enjoying this treat. I'm going to be present. I'm going to savor every bite and really think about, right, as I'm every single bite, think about the flavor and the texture and really try to be nowhere else but in the moment of enjoying that treat. And sometimes I would say not not every time, but more often that taking that moment to to really make it a treat, really make it a moment. It's just me and this cookie right now and nothing else in the universe exists. When I can really take that sort of focus moment and make it a really intentional choice, that can kind of break through the cycle. And then, then it, it breaks through so that uh, even if I'm physiologically craving sugar because I'm stressed and I haven't had enough sleep or whatever it is, um, I can kind of get through the rest of the day with better choices. And I also always use when I start to feel that type of compulsion coming on, that's, you know, also, hey, symptom, right? That's a symptom of I'm not getting enough sleep. My stress, you know, is high. I need to spend some more time, you know, pr doing resilience activities and, and working on my my stress management. And so it's also, I try very hard to recognize when that's happening and take action so that instead of kind of mindlessly falling down that rabbit hole, I can go like, oh, hey, I'm craving sugar. I'm eating compulsively. Um, I, I know this for me is always related to sugar and stress. I got to take a few days to really work on, you know, lower sugar treats. That's often uh, dark chocolate is usually my go-to there when I need to really reset, but sometimes it'll be fruit and I really need to work on sleep and I really need to work on, on my stress levels. And then typically it only takes like even a day or two, like it takes some, one really good night's sleep to just be like, aha, okay, now I'm back to making choices and not following compulsions. I agree. I got, I mean, I'm just mic <laughs> drop. Um, so I guess, you know, we've got a lot of posts that we're going to put in the show notes as well for you. Um, and I think 
the one thing I would say, uh, or that I would recommend is, um, we haven't talked about a bunch of other sweeteners and, um, what they can do. We do have, um, shows going back, Sarah, actually, I think it was when you were, um, working on the paleo approach, we did, um, several shows on alternative sweeteners. And mm-hmm. so you can definitely go back and listen to those. We'll put those in the show notes as well. Um, but there are new, sweeteners, non-caloric sweeteners that have hit the market since we have done those shows. And what I want to encourage you listeners to do is not wait for someone to tell you whether a product is right or it's wrong or if it's healthy or not. But from a logical perspective, the minute that I hear the word no calorie sweeteners, um, I wonder what it like, how is that possible? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like what's, what's the mechanism there and what can we do about it? And so, um, make sure that as you are approaching these alternative recipes or different things that you might be doing in your life or, um, different kinds of products that you might be looking at, think through like, what are the ingredients and is that what you want to set yourself up for success? And the reason that we, are partnered with Paleo Treats on the show is not because Paleo Treats was the only people that were interested. It's because that's the brand we genuinely use and like and feel okay recommending. It's, you know, it's a personal choice that we all need to make. And it might vary based on your interests or your flavors or whatever. But I think you know, for me, I often hear from people, well, what, what is your take on this particular thing? And I do exactly what you could do. And that's a little bit different than Sarah with PubMed and a, you know, PhD. But what I do that you can do is Google and read information about the products, look up the ingredients, look at how it's made. And don't just read one article and stop. What are the sources and what is the vested interest of that person? And now go read a different article based on someone with an alternative view on it and see if it's something that you're comfortable trying, you know, do as much research as you can, because I know Sarah has done a ton of blog posts on all different kinds of sweeteners, uh, but she can't possibly be on the bleeding edge of everything as it comes out. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure I can. Sure I can. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Sure you can. Um, and so it's just, it's what we, it's what we always encourage you to do, right? We want you to be your own educator, your own advocate. And we hope that we teach you how to fish and not just give you that fish each week. Although fish is a great <laughs> healing food when you're craving sweets. I mean, hashtag truth. Um, Side note, I had a giant plate of sushi this week because I needed like good nutrients after a tomato exposure last week. And I had zero guilt about the rice that was on that plate as I was eating a ton of nutrients from um, all the, all the different kinds of seafood and things that were on the plate. Fun fact, all three meals I ate today had fish as the protein, <laughs> even breakfast this morning, because I was lazy and I had salmon mix in the fridge already mixed up. So that was my breakfast. Um, fish is great. Fish is fantastic. To get back to, to sweeteners, though, I did want to add that um, 
I have done a lot of research into the most common uh, sort of new, um, you know, the, the sweeteners that are sort of like people get really excited about. We've talked about stevia on the show before. Um, what's interesting about stevia was that, you know, I was referencing it as an endocrine disruptor, like way back when I wrote the paleo approach. So that's like five years of like, no, you guys, stevia is not cool. Like it has, you know, there's these studies now, you know, an animal showing that it's can disrupt with sex hormones. Um, there was actually a really, really well done study in 2017 in humans showing conclusively that it interferes with progesterone and testosterone signaling. So, um, you know, that that's been one of those cases where the additional research has just, you know, strengthened the case. Um, but there's basically no, like if you see, low calorie sweetener, glycemic sweetener, keto <laughs> sweetener, um, they all have problems. There's, there's, um, some kind of, it messes with the gut microbiome or it increases leaky gut or it messes with hormones. Um, there's, there's some kind of downside to all of them. And I've certainly written about the most common on the website and we'll put links, um, to those posts in the show notes, but really the, the body has a far greater capacity to process a moderate and occasional amount of real sugar. So a natural, a natural sugar, like cane sugar, honey, maple sugar. Um, we have, we have a much better capacity to be able to process that and detox that type of sugar than we do any of these sugar substitutes, even the ones that are plant derived like stevia. All right. I think we really can drop the mic now. And if you do choose to treat yourself and indulge this holiday season, we've got really great shows also on recovery. So if you're, you know, indulging and you're not feeling your best the next day, then fish, broth, sleep, all the things, vegetables that we always talk about. We've got um, lots of shows focused on kind of that, that healing and what to do after if you're in a sugar coma and needing to wake up. <laughs> um, so make sure you check out those shows as well. Um, thanks again to our podcast sponsor, Paleo Treats. Again, you can go to paleotreats.com slash the paleo view and use code paleo view for 10% off. And we always love hearing from you on social media. So if you have uh, things that you do and approaches that you use, please come comment and share with us on social media so that other people who are around can see it and learn from it as well. And then we get to engage with you, which is like our favorite part, because mm -hmm. we know that you're listening and that you're there and that you think we're just hanging out with you in the car or the kitchen or doing laundry, but we don't get to connect with you if you don't comment back. So we love hearing from you. I, I always, whenever I get to meet a podcast listener, it's always the most fun, right? So I was like, oh, this is, you know, like, because, um, I don't know. I just assume if you keep listening to us, then you're like a person I like. This is my assumption. My assumption is that if you, if you don't listen, I mean, like if you aren't a listener, then you might be a person I like. I don't know. I'll have to get to know you first. But if you are a listener, like clearly we have like some simpatico going on. So it's like, uh, it's like an instant, 
an instant connection. Absolutely. And once again, I lost my mute button. So listeners, <laughs> it's time. <laughs> once, once I start getting delirious and not being able to find buttons, it's usually a sign that it's time <laughs> to sign off. But thanks again for tuning in and we will be back again next week. And if I'm not mistaken, it'll be special and you have something to look forward to. So we can't wait to talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening, and thanks again to Paleo Treats for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. I, I, I have an idea for a gag for the show. Wait, I need you to say that word one more time because it wasn't gag. American. A gag? Wait, you don't say gag. You say gag. <laughs> a gag. It's a thing. A gag. A gag. Wait, what do you say? A gag? Okay, first of all, we don't use that word in yes. uh, the sense and frequency that you assume that we do and second of all if we were to say it it's a long a it's a gag it's not a gag it's a short a it's a gag is it a short a or a long a matthew oh my gosh whatever if it you was guys a are long a up it would be gag like that's how you're saying okay whatever no i'm saying gag what what is this gag that you're okay. trying to give us my idea for the gag is that Matt will put in a little doorbell noise, like right here, and then we'll go ding dong, and then you and I will go at the same time as though we were it was Halloween. We would go cheat or treat, and then that would be the beginning of the show. <laughs> I just want to be clear that it's like not on speaker. He's listening to you through my headset and watching my <laughs> facial expressions, and that's the Come extent. On, it's fantastic. It's spooktacular. It's it's seasonal. It's better than a pumpkin spice latte. <sighs> I'm not going to argue on that one. <laughs> Matt, but it's can you do certainly noise? it's certainly not better than a chai latte. Yeah, of course he can do a doorbell noise. <laughs> <laughs> It makes me happy. You two heart. are giggling something <laughs> awful. I'm like, Matt, you come do the show. Oh my gosh. Someone's uh, gotta be the cynic. I I'm glad I that Matt you. likes I'm it. I'm I'm life. <laughs> I'm, interpre I'm interpreting giggles as uh yes, do that. He's entertained by our dynamic is what he's <laughs> laughing at. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.